0: Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, crypto traders worldwide. Let's kick off today's update and kind of go through the list. And I'm going to try to get ahead of certain things that I know people are already going to say as a result of them staring at graphs that are keyed off of one hour or one day, despite me telling them to stop doing that. I know that they're continuing to do that. So I would like to start this update and talk about Satama, which is the elephant in the room, of course. And I'm, I'm a bit disheartened that there's still this sentiment that's out there, and obviously people are still buying, and that's a good thing that there's so much of, so many people buying Satama. Um, but I am disappointed that there's still immense self pressure this far out from the event. We're two days out from the event, and there's been numerous people, the developers have spoken out, others have spoken out, and there just has not been a strong desire to think back and say, you know, is this really what we want to be doing is selling off our bags days after the event. And again, I already said many people made, they made out like bandits. They became millionaires. We're not, this is obvious. We know this, but again, I'm still seeing immense sell pressure just in regular people that are not devs or whatnot and that they're selling and that they're trying to just sell out and I'm concerned days after the effect, not because I think that anything is wrong, but it just, there's people that for whatever reason, the emotions are taking front center. And I don't think that's healthy for the crypto community. It's natural, it's expected, but you hope that people would learn to control that and let your brain really control and dictate your actions. Because if you go off emotions, it's fine for the buy-in. I wouldn't necessarily let your emotions... Sway you on the sell because again, you could have a project, take a Keanu that is the definition of failure, but even with Keanu, it's still generating some profit for people even now, despite being essentially a failed project. Well, that tells you that essentially loss and gain, as we covered on a previous episode, is fluid. You have to think of it differently. You cannot just say, Oh, I lost a bunch of money, because that's not accurate. You don't lose money unless you sell. Right. Same as with gains and income and profit, you don't gain unless you realize it, meaning it went up and then you cashed out. But if you didn't cash out, you haven't gained it yet. So that hundred dollars is still the hundred dollars regardless. And I don't know if there's, I, I do believe that there's some sentiment still fall out from side of mask. I do believe this and I'm disappointed, frankly, that there is such that, but I also see that there's immense buy activity that's happening. And of course, There's other exchanges still yet to come. And I do think that there are some people that are engaging in what I would, I would fairly describe as smear campaigns. Some of the data that they've drilled up is accurate. I simply said that I don't think a lot of it matters. So what tends to happen is you try to now discredit the source of information. And then in your mind, you draw that to be a fraudulent situation. Now, here's the truth. And I'll just summarize it in generic terms. If a person has a criminal record, it doesn't mean that they're not a brilliant person. If a person didn't go to college or maybe they did and they didn't graduate or just because they don't have a master's does not mean that they can't run a business as Bill Gates and Steve Jobs both taught us. If a person has had whatever happened in the past, whatever mistakes have taken place, whatever decisions that they made, that got them in the situation. And then at some point later, they make different decisions. And those decisions enrich other people. Can we honestly say that the right thing to do is to point back to the past behavior and say that everything they do since doesn't matter? There are people like Umar Johnson who will say, no, if this happened here, it doesn't matter what you did since. I'm not one of those advocates. I believe that we have to measure people. I said it on my other podcast, you have to re-meet people. You have to gauge them on their actions now and the behaviors now And more importantly, the motivations of that now. And to his credit, Russell has been clear on multiple occasions that he's trying to help everybody get rich. He didn't come with a message, as far as the Satama Project specifically, he didn't come with a message initially that said, you know, we're trying to build this computer, supercomputer, that's going to help end world hunger. And these lofty goals that you know are challenging to meet. He didn't come with it up front. He simply said, We have an opportunity here to help people make some money. And the other discrediting I'm seeing is you can take some of that profit and you can start up other businesses and you can use those to make additional good in other realms. But because of Donald Trump, largely, I think, and because of other wealthy people that truly are wealthy, there's this animus against somebody who generates wealth. And there's an animus against somebody who spins up multiple businesses that also generate wealth. And there's certainly an animus, and I think this is a mistake on Russell's part, and if you were listening, I would call him on this. I think certain people, retail traders, get offended if you post a picture of your Ferrari because, or Lamborghini. I think it's a Lamborghini. When you post a picture of this, because in their mind, you're stunting, right? You're, you're, you're flossing it in their face. Your intent might be, no, One day you can own one of these if you just hold the line. But to them, it's, oh, he's just flossing on me, and he's probably rug pulling my money. He's probably draining it out to buy that. And Russ said, no, it comes from my other business opportunities that I'm doing. He's got a couple out there. I know his background decent well from research. But to the retail trader, it's offensive. They take it offensive. They they get offended on it. And so I don't think that was a good judgment for him to do that, even though his intentions were good it's the same thing as when you do any of the Cardasians who sit up over there posting all sorts of airbrushed photos or photos of their houses or all this stuff. And all you're doing is stunting in front of people. It's the modern day, you know, uh, uh, MTV cribs. So I think perception is important in the crypto community. And I don't believe, I actually don't believe that there's malicious intent. We've, People have looked at the contract. People have looked at the way that Satama is built, and there's not any, there's no clear evidence of any sort of malicious intent behind the contract. There are anti-whale measures. However, you have to understand how a whale works. A whale won't care if there's this high fee applied to them. They're going to figure out how to get it out of there. And if they're already in an exchange, they can easily do it. When other people then struggle to go through Uniswap, and I'm telling them, you got to understand that Uniswap has its own limitations as far as liquidity and impact and those types of things, depending on the traffic. And there's a lot of traffic fresh off an event where awareness was now increased throughout Times Square and others. So stop going to Uniswap. If you're frustrated, you have to learn to go to different places. I'm going to cover that on a different episode, this idea that, and I'm, I used to be one of them, and I had to learn the hard way, that I want to go to one place to just do my stuff. And if I can't do that, okay, I'm going to throw my hands up and say it's a scam. You have to, that's a psychological fallacy that we have to break and get people to understand, That no, you're going to need to go to multiple places in order to do crypto effectively and learn how to do, as I've covered, wallets versus exchanges. So what's going on with Satama is disappointing only because I think a lot of people are still selling because of a fickle reason. I firmly believe, in my own opinion as an investor myself, that There is going to be a point in January that many of them are going to be kicking themselves for selling when they did. I do think that there are actual things happening with Satama. I will stay. I will say again that I want more specifics and more data and more tangible targets. I still will welcome Russ on the show. If he's willing, if he wants that smoke, I would love to have him on the show as an investor and just talk to him about some of these things that I've been covering because I, I think uh, honestly, I think the biggest the biggest thing to turn people off outside of the whole Lambo the biggest thing was jake Jake again who's not a representative or an employee of the company, however, he has been perceived by the community as their spokesperson, even though that has never been said to be the case ever by anybody on the team, and because they've been the developers have been featured on his show so many times and they talked to him so many times there's kind of this implied contract in people's mind that, okay, he's the guy, right? And so when he goes to the party, because that's what it was, and he presents himself in an unprofessional manner, you got to understand that you got these serious investors off to the side who are looking at that and they're saying, you know, this is not what I want out of my investment. This is not where I'm on my money going. This is not how I want them to act with my money. And if this is your spokesperson, I want a better job done Then it was about the whole cameras, and apparently camera crews, quote unquote, were banned, which that part makes sense to me. But what I was telling other people that were saying, like there was a gal who said, you know, I'm a 35-year-old, but I got PR background. I got media presence background. I got interview background, and so do I. So there are ways that you can use your tools in order to do strong interviews without a full camera crew. You don't need a full camera crew. Radio Rahim, when he started, didn't have a full camera crew. He does now but he didn't when he started he started with his phone and then he had a microphone on his phone and he was just doing basic interviews that's what I'm talking about and then he had just a regular stand tripod camera you can do this on your own you just have to know how to do it and you have to be good at processing it and and cleaning it up a little bit and you know and doing the audio correct and lighting you can't do extra external lighting but you can do ring lights you can do simple things and we know that you can do this because at every boxing event they do it at various MMA events they do it so To say that you cannot do those things is not true. But you have to know that that's what's necessary in these types of forums like Hakkasan. That's what was missing, and that was what disappointed a lot of investors. And so I and many others have said, you know, if we were invited and it's on their dime because we think they need skin in the game to do it, we would gladly do it. We would gladly go and, you know, I would love to interview Russ. I would love to interview Steve. I would love to interview Max and the rest of the team to just ask these questions and, and get firm down. Hey, we're here. Tell us what's going on with the event. Tell us what's going on with the mass. Tell us what's going on with the, with the vault. Tell us what's going on with the games. Tell us what's going on with the metaverse. Talk about these things and help your investors understand the vision because that's also missing, I think, vision. There's, there's so many different things happening that now it's creating multiple points of interest to different groups of people. That's not bad, but you have to encapsulate it with a vision of what it is that we are here to do. What problem do we want to help solve? We can have multiple smaller problems within that higher level vision, but I think many investors feel like that that singular vision is missing. And so it's making them nervous to invest in the long term, which I think is a mistake, but I understand the way they feel. Shiv had the same problem. SHIB, when they struggled with SHIB with Army way back, I think it was May, when they struggled getting their release, and then it tanked, and then people were not sure about it, and it was the utility, and it took community sentiment and ultimately the media attacking it before it ever recovered, and that took eight months to do. Satama's, so what, five months in to this thing? So we still got some ways to go, and I think there's an opportunity for the team. And to his credit, let me do this. Steve has done a masterful job at the level of communication that many investors felt was missing, by and large, in terms of slides. And here's the roadmap, and this is what we are doing. This was announced. We did talk about it, but it was hard to it's hard to translate it out because it wasn't the Steve Jobs setting that everybody, I think, um, that went to the event possibly might have expected. So, looking at Satama, you know, today and in the future, let me just say this again as an investor myself, because I think it's important. If you're going to be critical of or an advocate of any given project, you need to have skin in the game. Because if you don't have skin in the game, you're, you're skewed. Your perception and your perspective is not on track. So I'm in it, which means I feel it. I feel it when it's down. I feel it when it's up. And then I can speak to it. And I can look at the graph objectively based on all the different activities I see. Satama right now is down. It's below the major resistance point. I don't think that that's a long-term bad sign. I think it's a short-term bad sign, similar to what SHIB went through uh, after May and after the initial all-time high. I think it's one of those where, because of all the major sell pressure that's happening, there are a lot of people that are just getting out, and there's still people who are just cashing out because they made enough money and they're just going to move on to another project. There are people that specifically said, that they were so upset after the event that they immediately sold out. They didn't wait for a rust. They didn't wait for the team. They didn't wait to hear anything because they were the, they're the level of investor that it's like, once you screw up the one time I'm kind of out and that's all it is because I'm not confident in you anymore. And those are the ones you don't want to lose because if you lose them, like you can lose the ones that just wanted to make quick, quick buck and go. But the ones that, they bleed in the project, right? Those are valuable ones because they're your advocates. They're the ones that spread the word, and there are still some quote unquote influencers and other people that are that are still. I mean, I saw one person, and I'm not going to give a gender because that would give away probably who it is. But this person is a walking billboard easily, and uh, the, the you know the videos that the person is putting out is obvious why they're doing it, and it's clear that they don't really advocate Satama specifically. That they've been paid. To help that you know and do that, so I think that puts a negative image, I honestly believe on the investment and hopefully long term, and i 'll maintain you know my my finding i 'm fifty percent down right now i'll look at the thing and i 'm fifty percent down from where it was. it doesn't matter as much to me simply because I knew it was a long haul. I knew that getting in it was so hard to get into the darn thing that I was nervous to get out of it and I knew that it was going to be a long haul and I also knew that the reflections were going to increase the bag and I maintain that by come you know come January we're going to see a whole different graph and a whole different performance out of Satama I still maintain that to be true I think that the team once they get because apparently the side of mask is complete it's pending ready to go it's in test and they're just waiting on sir to get the green light and I think that once that goes down and the you know, the wallet comes out, and then you talk about the hardware wallet, which is something that more people should get into. I think you're going to start seeing more spikes. I think that's what investors are waiting for is actions rather than events. That's my summation for Satama for today. To me, it's, a, it's still a waiting game like it's always been. It's always been one of those long-haul, patient waiting games. And anybody who holds right now, I would say, you know, treating institutions in Satama Their reflections are nuts. Their reflections are through the roof. You're talking, you know, hundreds of of dollars um, flowing into their bag. If you're holding a trillion, Satama, you're getting a lot of reflections because of all the activity. So anybody who's still holding, you are benefiting from those that are leaving. And I would challenge you to set aside the emotional and just sit on it and wait and or buy the dip. If you are a serious investor and you want to treat it as an investment, and this is my opinion, this is not coming from anyone on the team. You can ask the team yourself. None of them ever talk to me. They don't respond to me. In my opinion, this is the long haul. It's a long haul token. It is one of those that's not going to really result in anything. And you should watch for actions. I agree with this from the team and tangible deliverables If they deliver on what they said they were going to deliver, you will see it go right back up to where it was. And I challenge anybody who sold, you're going to be kicking yourself in January. This is what I believe as an independent investor. Enough on that. Let's switch topics now. I'm going to cover another exchange really quick. And the reason I'm going to cover this one is because I assumed that I covered this one, but apparently I didn't because I I must have done a, post and didn't actually cover it which I don't think I think it's a disservice but I can't even find the post so I'm going to cover it here because it is getting some visibility and plus it's the only exchange at least it might I think there's more now but it's one of the only exchanges where you can buy Ryoshi Vision which of course Ryoshi Vision is somewhat aligned with SHIB as you can get woofed rewards for Ryoshi Vision and of course It's an Ethereum-based token, and the challenge with Ethereum-based tokens are the gas fees. And as I covered on wallets versus exchanges, we want to make sure we use the exchange when we need to do swapping as opposed to the Uniswaps and so on of the world. So to have Ryoshi Vision on an exchange, to me, is an excellent move. Once you can get the tokens over there, now all bets are off and you can do what you need to do, especially if you've accumulated A lot of Ryoshi Vision, and you've bought a lot of Ryoshi Vision. Currently, it's running ish 20 bucks for about 22 million tokens. My criticisms of the communication from that team have been clear. The team contradicts and says I have not been fair to them, but I think anybody who has watched social media has seen that when the whole Shiba Swap fiasco happened, the first thing I said was, I want some communication as to specific dates. Same thing I'm doing with Satama. I want specific dates of when this is going to be fixed. Why are you zeroing out the balance and so on? Because that's how you mitigate FUD is you just tell people up front, this is what we're doing. We're distributing words. Now they'll say, well, we're going to telegram do, 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 and they don't understand. You need to communicate that to all your various forms of social media, not just telegram. There are not, there are people who are not there. Okay. And they're not going to be there. You've got to send it to all your forms equally. And when somebody asks you, You don't just send them there, you give them the answer. This is something Satama does well, is that when there's a Twitter update, they will transmit the Twitter update to Telegram. That way both sides get the information. That's what I wanted the Ryoshi Vision team to do. And instead, the admins, quote-unquote, which apparently are shared between social media and Twitter, or excuse me, Reddit, they they apparently just don't feel inclined to do that. They don't feel like they should have to do that. Just go telegram, doot, doot, do is their response. And I challenge that they're going to suffer in the long term because they don't get how to communicate like a business. However, once it was clarified to me through Reddit that, hey, the problem really is coming from the Twitter side, okay. Then I said, and the SHIB side is the one who has to do the work and the, the Ryoshi has actually done the work. I steered my vision over to the ShibaSwap team, and then eventually got fixed, and I called out that it looks like it's good, just wait, is what I said in the podcast. But all of a sudden, that team has struggled to effectively communicate, and as a result, every time there's rewards to be issued, it's the same old cycle of FUD and and, and freak out, and and then tanks the value, and I'm bought into Ryoshi. So as an investor, it bothers me. Now, having them be on an exchange, and the exchange that I'm going to call out today is Coinsbit, tells me that now I have an opportunity to better watch the ups and the ebbs and the flows and the ups and the downs of the token and if I should choose to sell I can sell or if I choose to buy more it's easier to do it and I have to I can ignore not ignore but I can disregard I should say the Shiba swap problem which makes that issue a non-issue for me as an investor it's still an issue for other people and guess what I'm going to still call it out for what it is and if people don't like it that's too bad because I'm not going to hide truth simply because people are sensitive and need powder, uh, talc powder. So when Coinsbit went live, and that's the point, when Coinsbit went live, it opened up choices. I can now steer people to Coinsbit should they want to buy into Ryoshi. They can go there to manage their Ryoshi. They can go there to watch the Ryoshi and not care as much about the rewards. They're still there, and I would still take advantage of them by staking SHIB. But for the people who just want to buy in, and benefit from the token as it has a burn mechanic, then going to Coinsbit is a great option for them. Now, Coinsbit has a very decently nice interface. When I say decently nice, anybody who's listened to my previous entries knows that I'm a pretty harsh critic of various things about the exchanges because I think that exchange should work for everybody. I think everybody should be able to get in, it should use web standards, it should be easy to do KYC, like we should be able to do Get in, get it done, because that's how Coinbase works for Americans. With CoinsBase, the the only problem I had with them, the only problem today that I had with them is they don't support Outlook email addresses. And I suspect that the reason that they don't support Outlook email addresses is because Outlook email addresses require that your emails be signed when you send them. So you can give it an Outlook email address as your account, but then you can never verify it because it can't give you the verification email because it can't sign that email. This is a development gap. It's easy to solve. You just have to you have to code it. You have to actually build it. You can't use straight SMTP for those that know that. You have to code the signature process so that your email is signed, so that we trust the origin. That's how you help people not get defrauded and use social engineering to steal their identity. That's why they do this, and phishing. So. That is the only negative I can call on Coinsbit. Everything else is pretty rock solid. It's a nice-looking interface. They have a very simple exchange widget. So you can take, for example, a token like, let um, see, what's a good one? Uh, CYF. Sure, why not? And then you can just straight swap it over to whatever its pair happens to be. In CYF's case, that's only USD Tether because that's the only pair that they programmed into the interface. Um, Doge BNB goes to a micro USDT because its price is too low, and so on. But that that avoids you having to do the multi-hop of, okay, I got the token, I got to sell it to USDT, and then I got to go to the new token, and then I got to go and do a buy order. It does the buy sell for you in one widget. That's a nice feature they have. This they also allow you to do uh, Dex trades. So I talked about Dexes in a previous podcast entry, but basically a Dex trade is you're going directly to the distributed exchange or the decentralized exchanges such as a Uniswap or whatever. And this has it built into the coins bit so you can connect your wallet. And then when you hit the button, it'll let you go straight over to that exchange and swap. Of course, there's gas fees involved, but you don't that doing that means you don't have to worry about the login issue of the Outlook that I talked about. So if you, all you're trying to do is get access to start doing trades, you can do that by way of coins bit now I don't know the real logic of doing that outside of doing it through the wallet, but it's at least another option if you're not able to get logged in for whatever reason. Maybe Outlook's all you had, and you can't get the verification. You can do it that way. They also allow you to do spot trades. They allow you to do OTC. So with OTC, the way OTC is working is usually OTC is a peer to, is a direct. Peer, I'm talking about direct, truly direct peer-to-peer transaction that never touches the exchange, which means its price is not subject to the whims of the exchange so you could have somebody independently that's trying to sell a certain token bitcoin or something else off to the side and you want to buy it straight from them at whatever they're offering because you're using a different type of fiat or whatever that is not supported by the exchange you can do that with theirs it requires you create an account unfortunately but at least doing it that way like there's other OTC services where sometimes you have to do that. Here's a good example. During Christmas time, it's common to get prepaid cards, right? Because they're giving you that instead of a gift. They don't know what to get you. So get your prepaid card. It's like $400. Cool. Except that Coinbase, uh, Coinbase and many of the other ones don't support prepaid cards. And so what you're trying to do is you're trying to just get it into cryptocurrency and then put it into Coinbase so that you can use either the Coinbase card or you can buy and sell say buy, sell, and trade uh, crypto. However, because they don't take the prepaid card, you're not able to get this money out of there, and it's an ongoing issue. It's their faulty attempt to try to prevent fraud and money laundering. So the OTC is the only way that you can do this. With OTC, they will take pretty much anything because they're using PayPal or uh, Square or in some cases, and then they're just basically doing a charge against the card, and then they give you the crypto, and they charge you a fee. So it's a it's a decent way to get around it, and that's what OTC is offered through Coinsbit can do. And then of course, there's the regular spot trading. with the spot trading, they have a wide variety of the so-called penny, I call them penny tokens, you know, the ones that are very low cap, easy to buy in. you can get millions, millions and millions of tokens for very low low cost. So they have that ability as well. however, they don't have very many of the popular ones. So ironically, they have Ryoshi vision, but they don't have Shib, which is strange. So, there's not very many tokens that you would have ever heard of on CoinsBit. However, if you're just looking for diversity and different projects and newer projects and you're just trying to add more to the pot, CoinsBit might be a place at least to look. However, as I looked at it, I didn't see very many on here that weren't on, say, gate.io or Binance.com. So, again, Coinsbit, i it's coinsbit.io i have no concerns with it if it's your only choice or you just want to have another exchange in the pocket um I, again the outlook thing to me is a, is somewhat of a concern simply because it's easy to fix number one number two it they're only there's select few that can't support outlook and seeing that they're one of them it's a frustrating thing could you work around another email? Yes, but now you're having to spin up another email account just for this nonsense, and I don't think that's the right answer. You could build it to where that second email just forwards to your Outlook. However, the problem is you can't respond. So you, say you needed support, you wouldn't be able to respond to it, so now you're forced to log into your other email box just to be able to interact with customer service. So I would like to see them fix that Outlook issue. As of what I see, it's the only thing that, I, that makes it a non-recommend for anybody trying to build an account where you have an Outlook account if you don't have an Outlook account if you're using Gmail if you're using Yahoo I think Yahoo works if you're using anything else other than Outlook it seems like it works Um, I haven't tried my do not pay account but if you have any of the other ones you're probably okay and it's something to at least look at it's just again whether or not it'll have the cryptos it doesn't seem to have the popular cryptos so keep that in mind when you take a look at it and then we'll wrap up by covering a new and underdog so-called token because I want to increase awareness about it. And I've been trying to get them on the on the podcast and talk to them about their project because I was intrigued by the, at least the messaging that they have through their site and the desire for uh, more transparency in everything that they're doing. Plus, one of them looks like I know him um, and perhaps I don't. But I want to talk to them and, and see if I can get him on the phone. Um, I haven't been successful as of yet. But hopefully that will pan in the next couple. And if they listen to this podcast, I'm, this is yet another invitation. I would love to have you on the show. This is the DYOR token. In my previous, one of my previous episodes, I talked about the different acronyms that's out there. And I did not account for DYOR, and as I should have. DYOR simply means do your own research. And it's the concept that we can tell you anything. Whether we're a podcaster, we're a YouTuber, with the token itself, it doesn't matter. You still have to do your own research for your own reasons because what happens is if you don't do research, you tend to fall more victim to scams. One of the strategies, though, to mitigate with these scams, honeypots, whatever, is invest only what you can afford to lose, meaning if it's so-called F money, then you're not. Yeah, you might lose, and then you can kind of toy it a little bit. If it looks like it's solid, then buy in more, right? And FOMO is going to kick in, right? Because you're going to be tempted to toss a thousand dollars at it, hoping it drops one zero and cash out. But then, if there's a honey pot situation, they're just going to block it. You can't sell out, and they take your money and they're gone. So you want now, if you've got, if you're sitting on hundreds of thousands of dollars, and then a thousand dollars is chump change to you, then by all means, I'm saying that. Only invest what you can afford to lose is one of the strategies for mitigating that loss. So the D-Y-O-R, DYOR token, I need to make sure I pronounce it correctly, token has worked to try to get more information out to different people about how this works. And they've tried, they've done a really good job, I think, on the website of being transparent about the token, transparent about its current status. You don't even need to use different tools. Like you don't even need to go to, CoinMarketCap market cap and Coin Gecko on their site they call in the amount that's burned, the total market cap current, the price as it stands, um, and how much it takes to buy a trillion of them. This is unique. I was I was very intrigued at the the strategy because no other token I've seen has done it to that degree. Then they go into details about thefts and scams and and the the the. the CD C- C- underbelly, I'm trying to find a PG term, a seedy C- underbelly of the cryptocurrency community and all the different things that are happening to different people in the community as a result of what's happening. They also have a very unique, and I don't even see how this works, but a very unique mechanism where if you're a holder and they can detect that you're something that you've invested in, turned out to be a rug pull or a honeypot then they airdrop you potentially airdrop you some dyr tokens to kind of offset that it's not a guarantee that they're offering it's just a mechanic that they have available and it doesn't mean that you definitely will and i think there's some decision process probably by humans that's making the determination to say okay in this situation man that person got taken for like fifty thousand dollars or something i don't know there's probably some logic to when and why they do it, but the availability of it is unique. It's not something we've seen in any other token that I can think of. They have a very clean checklist of where they are in status. There's over 30,000 holders as of right now. Um, they're gearing up to get an audit completed, which is good. And it's part of an ecosystem. So the way that this, the way that this works with DYOR in general Let's say right now, um, let's take Cytomask. It's the best best example. Cytomask, one of the core reasons that they decided to build Cytomask is all the various places you have to go, right, to research a token, buy a token, trade a token, but also just to see the value of a token, to see how prices are changing, graphs and everything. And I talked about in a previous entry that it would, to me, that's why I don't like mobile first tools, ironically, because I need, like, multiple monitors just to be able to track all the stuff right now. Edge is my savior for helping me have different groups of tabs for different purposes. And I'm going to have to even go start getting into different desktops even um, on, Edge, on Microsoft because it's getting harder and harder to just collect all this information. So one of the things DYOs try to do is create a central repository of just all this various data and information about trading now of course it's fluid it's constantly evolving and it's hard to keep that managed so if they're able to pull that off kudos to them because i i i don't think anybody's tried to solve the problem so they're i think they're up against a a whale no pun intended of a challenge um the other thing on this one is that they do manual burns of the token so the manual burns they treat them like a burn party so they'll get together on discord or telegram and they'll do what they refer to as burn parties basically you know members of the community will do manual burns the price of the token is such that you know again a trillion tokens for eight bucks that means you can make at least some bit of a difference to towards the and that helps everybody helps all the investors if you can do that if you can buy a good enough bag of the token then you can help everybody else by contributing to these burns as part of these Burn, and, you, and then you're saying, well, why do the developer do the burn? Do, do, do. Because the developer does have some burns that happen. However, there's also the redistribution, and there's, there's other things that they've done, but what they're saying is is that, look, if you want to go above and beyond this, then we have this function available for everybody to basically participate and do their part. That's something I've called out on Reddit, uh, and I believe it was the SHIB side where I told them you know, there was they were broadcasting about some radio guy, and you know, and he says music streams, and you know, we'll burn a thousand shib for every stream that you do or something. It was some pity number, and to me, I just said, look, I know this guy's sitting on a bag, so if he really wanted to make a difference, he could take hundred thousand dollars, buy a shib, and burn it. Not ask the people to buy, burn, do a bunch of streams because here's the thing, he's making money off that, so I'm not going to take his pittance and be happy with it. So why doesn't everybody in the group do burns? Why don't you burn yours? Do, do, do. And ironically, I actually have burned mine. So I burned 16 million SHIB already. So my bag is reasonably small. I don't have the vast majority that I did at one point because I believed in helping the value go up. But many of the holders don't believe in doing that. So seeing that DYOR not only actively promotes doing this, but but creates the facility to do that and turns it into a community event. I was intrigued that the... They're trying to cultivate the community aspect of a thing. When you, as far as tokens, right, there's a total of one quintillion tokens. One quintillion tokens is a lot of tokens. However, even though it's a lot of tokens, they, again, their website already tells you this, they've already burned 176 quadrillion tokens as of today, which means roughly, what is that, about 15%-ish of the inventory is burned, uh, or seventeen point six four. it's right there on the page. Awesome. So seventeen point six four percent burned. This is a reasonably newer token. It's young, it's fresh out of the gate. It has not had time to marinate yet. And so when, if you wanted to have, let's say, if you want to have a better sense of where it's going, we're going to need to spend more time with it. I'm going to estimate this one's probably about a four to six month maturity on this one. It's got over 30,000 holders, so it's, it's young. It, comparatively speaking, it's young. Now, I'll call out a couple things, and then we'll wrap it up. DYOR has come under a little bit of fire from its investors because of the perception that the coin market cap data, there's issues with the data, and it's causing people to FOMO sell out, that they don't trust the data, and as a result, they think the, toy, the coin is tanking in value. Because it has, if you look at the graphs on Any of the wallets, it certainly has been on a very steep downward trend. And even if you were to zoom out, it's still on a steep downward trend, which seems to indicate that there truly is at least the perception of sellout on a massive basis. Like even if you go over a year, it's way down, way down, way down, way down. Well, I can tell you this from the way that crypto works, if you've got a burn mechanic, if you've got reflections mechanics, There should be no reason that you're constantly down. Something's certainly not right. Something doesn't make sense. Something's not adding up, especially the burn mechanic alone. Something doesn't make sense. And so the investors are getting kind of nervous, especially ones that bought in when it was up, which looks like, uh, let's see, I can't tell exactly when that was, but I'm going to estimate probably about what, late September-ish? And at that point, it seemed like it was trending high and then all of a sudden it started going down or actually no it it did spike up a little bit in yeah in the beginning of the month so it did spike up a little bit a little bit in the beginning of the month and then so it's this might have just launched even more recent than what i thought cuz the graph doesn't go out very much further regardless it looks like there was a point where it was going up and then it was on a steady climb and then it just steadily started going down which Again, it's it's super unnatural. You don't expect this. So the investors have been nervous, and they presented these concerns, at least in social media, and some of them are expressing it as potentially that because of the faulty data people are selling, they're not calling it a rug pull, but they're trying to figure out, okay, how do we fix this so that it works? Now, CoinMarketCap has caused issues for other tokens. SHIB, most notably, had some issues with coin market cap as did id finance so it's not it's not unusual to see you know coin market cap garbage we just got to figure out why it happens and then get it resolved and sometimes that takes time and we don't even know if that's really truly the cause of what we're seeing on the graphs so recently the dyor time dyor team has announced that they are going to shift the leadership there's a new person in charge up above and then they're going to start focusing on and get things back on track they haven't given specifics about what that means however they they seem to be very serious about what they're doing it is registered as a business in the united states so there's credibility behind it it's not just some random project in china or something so i think i i believe this is one of those diamonds in the rough i think it's one of those that's that's going under the radar that nobody has recognized is there I think that it's, pri- it's grossly underpriced for the mechanics that I'm seeing. Similar to pig finance, it's the same thing. Certain ones just have really good mechanics and yet they struggle to you know, crack that next wall. And I'm not sure why that happens. So hopefully there comes a time where this gets fixed and we see, hey, this is gonna be huge and people are able to re- regain the profits that they may have lost at some point. Um, Because I don't want to see anybody lose significant amounts of cash, especially if it's based on factors that are outside of their control. I don't want to see that. And and it's a solid project from what I see. And they have the right messaging and they have the right goals. And it seems like the leadership, the the fact that they recognize potentially a need to change leadership tells me that they're serious about trying to make it succeed. So I think it's a long bet. I think it's one that you want to keep an eye on over over the big picture. But just like the name of their token says, do your own research. Make sure that you are comfortable if you want to buy into it. Make sure you're comfortable about what it's doing. And make sure you believe, because if you don't believe in the project, it's not going to be a serious investment. You may be tempted to FOMO sell out, and that's not helping anybody. It's not helping them. It's not helping you. But DYOR, I think it's one to keep an eye on. I think it's, I personally, as an opinion, think that it's worth investing in. Particularly, it doesn't cost a lot to invest in it. And then just sit on it. It's a long haul one, collect the rewards, and then just see what happens um, in four to six months. I think in four to six months, if the leadership's able to get it back on track, this one has a chance to go decent places and it's doing good things for people in the crypto community who can be mad at that.